0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the seventh instalment of A Game of Two halves, coming to you from the SVH Pleasure Dome. What can we talk about this week? Well, there's a giant Jose-shaped elephant in the room. We've mentioned him each week, but each week keeps on getting worse. So, what is going on with Manchester United, Jose Mourinho and, of course, Pogba? To discuss this with me, I have SD Sports Correspondent Wang Meng-Meng and Ernest Lewis, SBH Head of Podcasting. Hello. Yes, not Head of Announcing though, clearly. (laughs) Well guys, what can we say? It is Man United's worst start in 29 years? Yes. 29 years, worst start ever. They were beaten by West Ham at the weekend, 3-1. There are viral videos of training altercations between Pogba and Mourinho. I suppose the big question is, who goes first? Mm, let me begin by saying, for the record, I'm a, I'm
1: a big fan of this Portuguese manager who's known for his tactics. And his manager, his agent is George Mendes, and his name is Nuno Espirito Santo. But OK, now back to Mourinho. Um... I'm afraid he's on the losing end here, of you know, uh, picking a fight with everyone in a, almost everybody in the squad, criticizing his players week in week out, and you know, moaning for more money to to sign more players. And I think it might be even it's
0: even more affordable to get rid of him. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you think who is in the right in this? Is Pogba in the right? Is Marino in the right? Is think- is Mourinho having a tough time of it, or is it all of his own making? Well, uh, if you.
1: Rewind back two years, uh, actually Jose was the one who signed Pogba and at a press conference I remember Jose saying uh, this is one of the best players in the world, he's going to fit right in uh, and he's going to dominate and two years later, <laughs> um, well he signed he signed the cheque yeah, and I think the buck stops with him.
0: So where did it all go wrong?
1: I mean, look at Pogba. He played so well at Juventus, which explains his world record fee. He played so well for France, which explains his World Cup winner's medal. So, I guess something is wrong with the coaching at United Land. Just a pure personality clash? I think Jose... To him, he's known to be pragmatic. Results come first, and Pogba is he. He, he, he loves to go forward. He's a box to box midfielder, and Jose just doesn't like that element
0: of unpredictability in his players. He he likes his players to be machines. Eh? Okay, well, Ernest, yeah. where can we where can Manchester United go from here? What is the option if they do jettison Jose, even though he's recently signed a new contract? If they do jettison him, what are the options?
2: I don't know, man. It sounds like it's pretty limited. I mean, I like the idea of the rumors of Zidane, but uh, you don't think that Zidane is going to be in, right, Meng? I think it's. Just, I, I think United is in too big a mess for him. Huh?
1: Mm. Yeah, especially after three seasons and three Champions League. I mean, anything. I think
2: United will be a step down for Zidane right now. Okay, and then the candidates are quite short for him, right? I mean, quite short for Man United at this moment. The, the question is, do you want to get rid of a manager? So early in the season, or should you get him get rid of him now earlier than later, or decide that yeah maybe this season is almost written off, and then really just try and concentrate on a replacement in the next coming months so van Halden yeah. <laughs> could be i mean who who knows I mean, he did quite a rescue job actually the last time round, but well that's his that's his stocking trade,
0: isn't it? yeah. He he just dives into clubs and rescues them for a for a season.
2: Yeah, and I I feel like Mourinho. I mean, I wished actually he had joined Man United earlier, earlier in his career. You know, at the time when Ferguson was thinking of. Yeah, I thought he was in the ascendancy at that time in his career. These days, it seems like a tired, repeated script, right? I mean, the second stint with Chelsea, he started to berate the children, uh, the the players, and treat them like children. It's getting tiring. Here. Yeah. Yeah, the the luster has gone from his genius,
0: mm. as it were. Mang, do you think he's? Uh, you were saying before that he should go down or lower his level. That,
1: that was what worked for him earlier in his career, you know, because he was at a club. You no, know, uh, he started at Porto, you know, which wasn't doing well, and his methods worked. You know, it you know, it kind of motivated the players to try harder, run faster, jump higher for him. And they worked at Inter Milan, which has been a sleeping giant. He woke them up, mm. but. At a very big club like United or Real Madrid, I mean, these are superstars with su- superstar egos. You know? They cannot accept anyone coming in, you know, moaning and them whining at them. You know? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You know? respect. 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 You know? Yeah. So he he should be the one showing respect to the players, getting them onside, get uh, winning the dressing room. You know? Like how Klopp hugs his players. You know? how Pep. Improves his players rather than just hearing this broken old record going at them day Are after you day. suggesting
0: he needs a love in his life, a little bit of friendliness, a little, yeah, a little yeah. bit of touchy feely. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. You know, like. He, he,
1: it was he was like that in his first spell in Chelsea. Yeah, the players loved him. You know, like mm. I mean, he had all, all kinds of bromances with like Frank Lampard. He God protected them, right? Yeah, I he protected he them. he
2: stood up for them. Yeah, yeah, he stood up
0: for them. You know, he signed Ashley Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, who knows? By the time you listen to this, he could be gone. He could still be there. Who knows? Uh, But that's where we'll leave our current updates in the world of Jose. And we'll move on to other machinations, Machiavellian machinations, as it were, in the world of F1. One of my favorite quotes from the weekend has been, I would rather be the baddie today and not the idiot at the end of the year. That quote came from Mercedes... uh, Formula One boss, Toto Wolff, the fantastically named Toto Wolff. I mean, come on, if you're going to name your kids, Toto Wolff is an option, surely. Yeah. (laughs) Toto. (laughs) Anyway, he was justifying his decision to tell Valtteri Bottas to give way and give the victory at the Russian Grand Prix to Lewis Hamilton, his teammate Lewis Hamilton. Now, this brings up a whole slew of issues. For some people, it's like, well, this is you know business as usual F one. Some people are, it perturbs them. Man, what's your take on this particular situation? Well, um, team models,
1: are is they are they are nothing new in F one. You you can go as far back as 1955. You know, um, Mercedes were were you no know, at Silverstone, so they told one Fanjo to make way for Sterling Moss you know, to win the British Grand Prix. And I'm sure if you go back 2000 years, uh, you can you can see the teams <laughs> telling the chariots to make way for the other chariot. Uh. So it is nothing new, but it is something which is not so nice because it smells of like races being rigged, you know, and mm. you, you, you for fans, they feel
0: shortchanged because you're not getting pure racing. Uh, I guess it's like high speed K-Long, right? Yeah. Mm. So In mean a way. A, I mean, as a lay person, it always seems that like there's two races Two types of races going on with Def one mm. One is about the pure form of, you know, I am the greatest driver. Then there is also the team saying, no, we will be a team, and you will go by the orders. Mm. But it's it's almost as I don't know, a football club telling, you know, yeah, don't, it's don't, interesting don't you, you mentioned
1: the thing about uh, I am the greatest driver because uh, okay, we go back to two thousand two the greatest driver than michael schumacher he was losing in the austrian grand prix and the order the the order came through the radio to uh, to his teammate rubens Barrichello, you no know, uh, please make way for michael and rubens resisted and resisted until they have to bring lawyers in reading out his contract hey you sign as number 2 you know <laughs> okay. please uh, make way you know move aside
0: yeah so that's how unpleasant it can be i'm sure i mean yeah. it seems very unfair to yes. some people it's quite heartbreaking too a driver when they know they have the skill to yeah. beat everyone. that's not the way you want to lose yeah? no yeah no. and apparently
2: the team orders I mean they, they tried to ban team orders after that yeah. season right but then uh, by 2011 it's yeah, they, disappeared in the end they, they end up speaking
1: in yeah. quotes or so, oh, uh, multi 51 well, is this situation or you know, some code yeah. words yeah so and it even evolved into you know, like um, extremely complicated plot so, uh, okay. And in fact the most infamous one Took place in Singapore The very first Singapore Grand Prix The, ver- the world's first night race in 2008 So I think um, it was won by Fernando Alonso But it only happened because his teammate Purposely crashed to trigger The safety car uh, His teammate was Nelson Piquet Jr And um, after that there was a big investigation I think Nelson Piquet never came back to F1 Yeah.
0: Wow, mm. you make it sound so thrilling <laughs> I mean, th- this is a side of it that I've never really explored in yeah, F one. I have yeah. to admit, you know, it's very much. A, I find F one quite clinical in
2: this way. So you know, team orders are,
0: seem par for the course for me. But Ernest, you're you're quite a fan, yeah, yeah. and you
2: do, you're not so keen on this. I've been watching it since like the late eighties and all that. I mean, the, part of the best times in Formula One, a lot of fans will agree that the late eighties. Alan Pross, Etonson, and Nigel Mansell, Nelson, PK. Both of them were in the teammates in uh, Williams and McLaren, but no team orders yes of course they heard each other almost took each other out at times but it was exciting stuff end-to-end stuff no problems of them winning world championships actually mm. but um, i think michael schumacher's case in 2002 that was really bad and this case actually last night's race at the russian grand prix i think is going to trigger another re-look at this in fact What is interesting is that Yes, you you always see that action is Taken against the driver and all that But what about the teams? Why can't Formula 1 do something about this? Take action against the teams That make it so blatant Yesterday, Bottas just slowed down Practically slowed down And just Hamilton just zoomed past him He didn't even know that Bottas was going to slow down that dramatically I think for me Takes a lot of fun out of the sport. The sport is already struggling. Qualifying is boring. Um, a lot of it is predictable. Personality fights and all that—that that makes the sport more interesting. But things like this is going to spoil it. Yeah, actually, Hamilton's
1: reaction after the race was pretty telling. You know? He looked like someone mm. who has lost. Yeah, he was consoling Bottas, and you know, and yeah. that kind of shows that you know, how he feels about team orders.
2: Mm. Yeah, it sort of takes the fun out of the drivers. Uh, feeling of elation from winning the championship. You know, you don't want to know that you work so hard just to be given the championship on a plate towards the end, you see. Even though he's not that far ahead. I mean, 50 points ahead of Vettel with five races left. Okay, in the team standings, they are 53 points ahead of Ferrari, Mercedes. So, arguably, Total Wolf could have said, I need every point.
0: But Well, I mean, that's yeah. where it's coming from. He wanted uh, Hamilton to have those points. Yeah. So that later on, I mean, there's still a potential that they could slip down yeah. as well.
2: So he's looking at it very much
0: from that standpoint. Yeah,
2: he can do that. But fans like myself, I mean, over time, we will just stop watching the races and forget about it. I mean, even I mean, I though... Suppose I suppose there is the
0: element of drivers not even knowing if they are the best anymore. Mm. You're You're just there because other people were told to not compete. Yeah. So you don't even know, if, you know who is the best. Yeah,
2: and you cheapen it for a person of immense talent like Lewis Hamilton. He clearly was capable of closing in on Bottas and making more of a challenge. Not just like that, just to be slowed down and then just let Hamilton just rush past you like that. I mean, that is cheap. Cheap stuff. So what do you want to see happen? I think that Formula 1 should look at uh, taking a penalty of sort against teams that make it so blatant like this. Mm, which I haven't seen being done before well potential for
0: changes in both football and F1 and that is where we'll leave this particular installment of Game of Two Halves thank you Meng thank you and thank you Ernest thank you (laughs) unnecessary drama from Ernest there we hope you've enjoyed listening and do join us again next time for another episode of Game of Two Halves
2: That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcasts at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightsigns.com and bt.sg.